You're focused on making important decisions to take your company to the next level. But who's counting? We are. Counting on trends and insight to move your business forward, operationally and strategically. Focused on helping executives achieve their highest potential. But Who's Counting is a podcast shedding light on and breaking down critical issues and opportunities for businesses. Brought to you by Anders CPAs and Advisors. Welcome again to another episode of the But Who's Counting podcast. I'm Dave Hartley, your host. Today we're visiting with Adam Hale. Adam is a co-founder of Summit CPA Group, which just in the past month or so has joined forces with Anders CPAs and Advisors. So Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You've been kind of developing your skill over the last couple of decades, actually work, working with Jody Grundin, your co-founder. And so tell, me, tell us kind of how that came to be, and, and, and then we'll get into sort of the story of, of Summit and the service offering and those types of things. Sure. Yeah. Um, a lot of luck, you know. So right out of college, I had, you know, like most uh, people in the profession, you get to pick your own path. You're going to go public accounting. You're going to go government. So, so you studied accounting? Studied to, accounting. Went to CPA exam route? Uh, it took me a little bit actually to go the CPA route. Okay. Um, because at that time I was the very first year where they required five years uh, for, okay. to be able to sit for the exam. Okay. And so I had finished up my four years and I was like, you know what, I'm ready to just put some of this in action okay. and get and to see, work and see if I have make some, like make it. some money, which, and I hated it by the okay. way. So like the second I started, I actually interviewed with a couple different people and I really liked the atmosphere, Jody and another guy that he was working with at the time. Mm-hmm. They're the reasons why I took that job. And, uh, and then I started doing the work and I was like, Oh, this is awful. Like, why did I choose accounting? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was just not a, your thing, not my thing. A mm-hmm. couple, I, like I could hammer out the work and stuff, but it was at that time it was really heads down. There wasn't a whole lot of interaction with the clients, Okay, you know, not a whole lot of, you know, somebody would just mail stuff in or drop stuff off. So, so was that tax? Were you doing tax returns? A lot of tax okay. shoe box stuff, you okay. know, people just dropping off boxes mm-hmm. and you'd have to, Knock and this, this is about 20 years ago. This is 20 years ago. Okay. So yeah, I'm like cranking out everything on Excel and, you know, doing it kind of old school style. So it really was only probably two to three months into that job. And uh, have you seen that movie, uh, Jerry Maguire? Yes. With Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. So I guess in this story. and <laughs> Are I you mean, Tom Cruise? I'm no, waiting for I'm that. Not, and no, I'm, I'm Renee <laughs> Zellweger in the story. So Jody was, I guess, Tom Cruise, which at height level. Oh, that's a visual sense, right there. Right? Like no, no, that does not make um, sense at and, any uh, level. <laughs> and uh, he didn't have a goldfish, so he didn't like stomp out with a goldfish or anything. But he's just like, hey, I'm starting my own thing. You want to come with me? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 22 years old. I don't have any bills. I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's And go. you're not necessarily liking what you're doing. And so I, let's, and I, and, and really, honestly, I took the job because I wanted to work with him. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause I liked that. You know, I, I could just tell that he was different. He mm-hmm. would, he didn't want to do a lot of the traditional stuff. And I kind of turned those positions down yep. and, and uh, that appealed to you as well. That's what you wanted to do. Absolutely. So he, and it was exciting cause you know, we were just kind of living on the edge and you do cool stuff whenever you're, it was the two of you, right? Yeah, you guys started. Okay. So, I yeah. mean, don't get me wrong. My hours went from working 50 hours a week to 70 hours a week. So mm-hmm. I was like cranking through it, mm-hmm. but it felt like I was working towards something mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, just working for somebody else and trying to make more pay. I was like creating systems and talking to people. And so I was able to cut teeth on consulting 
really early, mm-hmm. which was difficult. I mean, you got a 22 year old telling a, you know, 40 or 50 or 60 year old person that's very successful running their business. And here I am saying, Oh no, you shouldn't do this. You, you should do it do this that. way. Yeah. Not that way. Yeah. So, you know, the old thing was, I just, uh, I would always say, well, Jody said you should do this. Of course, Jody didn't say that, but I would, I would just kind of drop Jody in front of it, giving me instant credibility. Mm-hmm. And then before long I could drop Jody and they didn't really care. And they're like, ah, hey, does that guy even work there anymore? Um, and so that's kind of how that evolved early on, but it was really, we were just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. You know, we were picking up anything and everything we possibly could and just trying to figure out how to standardize stuff. Got it. But let's pick up on that point where you said, you know, you were, you were advising business owners on what to do and decisions to make. And from that sort of the virtual CFO offering that, that summit has worked on for the last couple of decades, that's where that emerged from. Yeah. I mean, it really came kind of, uh, we didn't want a traditional busy season. So again, that's the one thing that kind of, even though I say, Hey, I was working a ton of hours, it was towards something else. I wasn't just cranking out tax returns. Mm -hmm. And so what we didn't want is just this big mess that would hit us whenever tax season came. So really the evolution was we started working with clients and saying, Hey, can we just have this piece mailed to us throughout the year so that we so can consistently throughout consistently. the year, not a, not a wave of work at one time. Exactly. Okay. And then, but then what ended up happening is we just gave away the consulting, right? Mm. So it would just be natural. You would look at the stuff and you'd be like, Hey, you, you should co- really do this. You should really do that. Be thinking about this. Right. Okay. It was like coaching the client how to give us information better. Mm-hmm. And then it became like a business. You would have just all these business conversations with really great people in every different industry you could possibly imagine. So it became really cool whenever you'd go out to dinner or you would go to get your car fixed and you could be talking to the business owner and you're like, oh, yeah, you're talking to them about their GP percentage and all that. You know, they just all this stuff that nobody really understands. Mm-hmm. You could talk to different people because you'd had those conversations and those experiences. And that was really fun for us. Mm-hmm. And so and we priced it terribly. Um, we did everything fixed fee at the time. Okay. You know, we couldn't really afford for any kind of AR. So. Um, we, we pretty much had, you know, the first five or 10 years was just a a combination of just mistakes, you know, and just kind of learning from those. But because there was just two of us and occasionally we'd get up to four or five of us, we were really nimble and we were able to just pivot really quick whenever we'd make those mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was really fun and exciting and it, it took a little while before we could figure out how to standardize our VCFO service offering. Mm Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the VCFO offering. If, if I'm a business owner, then just in general, in terms of advice that business owners need to make good decisions. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little bit different. I think it comes pretty innately to Jody and I, because we were business owners. And so we were always kind of thinking like business owners. Mm-hmm. So whenever we got a little bit larger and we started hiring, not just back office help and staff, but we were hiring other CFOs, we had to figure out a way to productize the advisory piece. Like okay. how do we maintenance a business? So mm-hmm. we kind of thinking about it and, and whenever I talk to clients, I'm, you know, again, I think that most small business owners are not super intentional with their financials. Okay. They're really good about sitting down and thinking about the service they want to offer or the mm-hmm. product. But whenever it comes to the finance side of it, they're mm-hmm. just like, well, that'll kind of work itself out. And, and rightfully so. I mean, oftentimes, you know, they're the, the CFO and the account 
And for folks that are under, you know, sub $25 million, it's really difficult to afford that kind of talent Mm -hmm. because, you know, in our industry, you have accountants and you have senior accountants, controllers, CFOs, there's all these weird titles. And unfortunately for small business owners, they start off with one and they say, Hey, how come my accountant can't do cash flow?" It's like, Oh, well, they're not a controller. You should hire a controller. Mm -hmm. So they hire a controller and they're like, Oh, well, how come they can't help me with business strategy? It's like, well, because they're a controller, you need a CFO. Mm-hmm. And then they hire a CFO. And the first thing he says or she says is, well, you need to hire an accountant because I'm not going to do that other work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for a small business owner, that's a big fee. So we could, we from the sideline, we saw that and we're like, how can we fractionalize each one of those roles? Because one week you do need 50% of a bookkeeper. And then the next week, maybe you need more from a CFO. So if we could standardize that delivery and offer the full stack of services to our clients that don't necessarily need one of those full-time people, that's kind of where it it started to drive from. Mm -hmm. But then whenever it comes to helping, you know, business owners figure this stuff out, uh, we, we take a little bit different of approach, you know, the, you know, we're in St. Louis, right? So Dave, you tell me, Hey, I want to go to, I I say, where do you want to go? You're like, I want to go to Florida on vacation. Mm. Well, cool. So you can hit, you know, get in the car, head East and South. Eventually you'll hit Florida. Mm -hmm. That's an option or not, Mm -hmm. you know, right. Maybe you hit the water, who knows, but that's oftentimes how business owners think about the finance side of their business. They put their heads down and they punch the gas and they head that direction and they just assume they'll eventually get there. And things will turn out good. If I, if I work hard and I'm good at what I do, the finances will follow. Right. Just work harder, work harder. I mean, and we worked with really small businesses and I would say uh, initially, and those folks were oftentimes the spouse coming to us and saying, Hey, can you explain to my husband that even though we received a $50,000 check, he spent $60,000. Like he doesn't get that. He just sees the big checks like Mm -hmm. that. Though that was such a common problem Mm -hmm. early on with the smaller, um, with the smaller businesses. And so what we do is we say, Dave, where do you want to go in Florida? You know, cause there's a difference between Tallahassee and, and Miami, Mm -hmm. you know, so I need to know. And then I want to know why you're going to go there. And then when you want to get there. So do I want beaches? Do I want theme parks? I need to know. Am I going, am I snowboarding in the winter? Am I going in the peak of the summer with the family? That's right. That's what I I need to know all that stuff in order to create a, a, a dynamic plan for you, a financial forecast where you can understand how you're going to get there and when you're going to get there. So I can actually show you what that looks like. So think about it being like the cartographer, you know, I'm putting together the map for you Mm -hmm. based on financial metrics, non-financial metrics and financial metrics that drive your business. So I really need to understand how you make money, what all those impacts are and business owners have all this information. It's just not organized in a way that helps them execute. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we do. We advocate for that side of the business. And then once we learn where you want to go, you know, of course I could just put the plan together like a great consultant does and, you know, put some glossy paper on it and say, go for it, Dave. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is just like any good road trip, you hop in the car, there's road construction, the car breaks down. So we partner with our clients to, to help them navigate and reroute. And you might decide later, I don't want to go to Florida anymore. You know, I want to head East. Yeah. I'm halfway through this journey and I, I don't like the South. I want to go to the East or somewhere totally different. Yeah. And so from a consulting standpoint, what's really powerful about that is we can show we can show our clients what the impact is of some of their decisions. So they're like, hey, I want to do this or I want to do that. And I'm like, okay. The answer is always yes. Like, can I do this? And it's like, sure. Here's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, that looks terrible. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. Well, 
let's yeah. let's fix it. Mm-hmm. And then you can go in there and show them how to make small tweaks because it's usually death by a thousand cuts. There's never one silver bullet thing that's going to solve anything for for a client. And I think as a consultant, that becomes difficult for us to proactively as accountants because we naturally just want to go back to the numbers. Yeah. So how do, how do you do that? How do you get a business owner to have that discussion with you to to be able to even make those points and to because most business owners get busy and, and they don't ask the questions. How do you sort of force that conversation and that dialogue to happen? We ask the questions. So, yeah, and, and we understand there's certain parts of the business like we've got to wrap finance, operations and sales all into one. Mm-hmm. So we put together kind of a maintenance plan for our clients where we're meeting with them, depending upon their size, we're either meeting with them twice a month or every single week. And, and, and sometimes multiple times a week, it just kind of depends on the, the needs of the client, but we mm-hmm. have a maintenance program where we're checking in, you know, checking the health of all these different things. Again, imagine you're in the car and you're, you know, you're checking the gauges and making sure everything, you know, you're not running too hot or this isn't happening or you're not running out of gas. Mm-hmm. We're constantly checking in with those. And we ask that, you know, everybody's kind of a big fan of the e-myth work on the business instead of in the business. Mm-hmm. Well, we help, we pull them out for a few minutes once a week and we say, okay, this is the area of the business we're going to focus to on. To work so on the business, to, to get them the thinking business. about that as opposed to the day-to-day operations. Right. And then talk to them like somebody on their team would talk to them. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about debits and credits and chart of accounts and none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a very collaborative conversation. I've always told the team, if you ever explain a financial statement in more than 10 minutes, you lost your audience. Mm-hmm. They can read they don't understand exactly how to use the information. That's mm-hmm. our job. Call out stuff that's important and show them how to use it in the future. So that's why those metrics and those drivers are really important. Because if I just say, Dave, go get $200,000 more, you're like, okay, what does that mean? What I really mean is you need to sell six more of these and three more of those and two of these. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I can do that. You know, and then if you do this, we're going to have a good meeting next month, mm-hmm. you know? So if you can break things down and really understand their vernacular, who their customers are, yeah. how they operate. Which has historically not been a strong suit of accountants because I think we've – historically accountants have looked at past financial results and then you it has a specific vernacular that you have to understand to be able to really know what that know what that means, which the vast majority of business owners don't have that background. But a lot of that stuff exists within whatever their accounting system is. So how do you get the information out of the, the accounting system to then have those discussions around some of those KPIs and decision points that they need to think about going forward that will impact future results? Yeah, I mean the biggest thing is we have a we have a couple financial forecasting tools that we use that incorporate both the income statement and the balance sheet. Um, and that's, that's a real big thing too, is like a lot of owners have budgets. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, they're not, they're static. They're not very dynamic and they don't take into account the most important thing, which is the balance sheet. That's where cash lives. Cash is the oxygen of the business and with it, without it, you know, businesses die. Mm-hmm. So everything you do on the income statement is just a driver to get to the balance sheet. So we don't really, in terms of extracting data, again, it comes with a lot of questions, first of all, and then we'll use our tool and integrate with their system. We're pretty uh, accounting tool agnostic. Mm-hmm. You know, we have our preferences if we're doing back office naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're on any kind of, you know, proprietary software or anything like that, we just extract that data 
Um, you know, that's just kind of the age we work in right now, right? Mm-hmm. Just big data. We pull it down, we mine it, we turn it into, we turn that data into useful information. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we pump it through our system. And then are you able to do that consistently across, I guess, how do you do it across multiple clients? Cause every business is different, but how do you come up with a system or process that actually applies across multiple businesses? Yeah, I, I think the the forecasting itself is pretty uniform across the board. How we get the information is a little bit different. And we mm-hmm. have some really great people on our team, um, some data analysts that that's, I mean, they're fantastic at it. I mean, I whatever I dream up, they can do. I just say, hey, I would like to have this information from here and this information from here. And I want it to look like this. And they go away for a day. They come back and go, here you How's go. How's this? And then yeah, take a look a, at it. I mean, they are amazing gifted people mm-hmm. um, and, and super fun to work with. And so everything that we do, we put up on a dashboard as well, you know, so we're not sending PDFs and we're not sending, um, you know, Excel files. To so people. the clients can interact directly with the dashboards. Right. And those dashboards are interactive as well. So they can change periods. They can change, you know, so we're always doing like rule of thumb value business valuations. You know, they're just, again, rule of thumb, but, mm-hmm. Um, monitoring our cash reserves. We get pretty, as I mentioned before, cash is super important. So we have some standard goals that we want for all of our clients mm-hmm. uh, pertaining to profitability and cash and growth and those kind of things. So mm-hmm. we're always trying to push our clients in that direction. Got it. So 20 years ago, you were two people. And now 20 years later, you're 60 people in the firm. I guess as you look at that journey, what's been the hardest thing about, because you guys have been growing a small business, which you're advising small businesses on their growth as well. I guess when you look at that 20-year period, what's been the most difficult or challenging thing from your perspective that you've had to overcome to get to the point to where you're at a successful business today? I, I mean, and I talk to my clients about this too, that are anybody that's in the service industry, there seems to be natural breaks in terms of team members where things just change. Mm-hmm. So what worked at five people doesn't work at 15. Mm-hmm. At 15 doesn't work at 30. 30 doesn't work at 50. Mm-hmm. And so even knowing that and consulting on that, you still feel that pain and there's nothing you can do about it, mm-hmm. right? Like you just have to realize that that's going to be a challenge and you have to rethink how you are doing things. So as you scale, again, every process that I thought was buttoned up and dialed in and everybody knew it, now all of a sudden I'm not interacting on every single client. I'm, I don't know every single one of our clients. And, and so you have to make sure that you're saying that multiple times and you're reinforcing it and you're recreating your processes. Mm-hmm. So I think just the constant reiteration of what we do and how we do it is fun, but at the same time, you know, natural challenges there. Yeah. That, that, uh, the concept of maturity, this is great for a $5 million business, a $10 million business, a $20 million business is very different. And I think we, we do see that quite a bit, go in, do maturity assessments, look at things and you can see that may have worked great for you at that level, but now where you're at number of transactions, number of employees that you have, it's just different. You need different systems, different processes, and then helping businesses understand and acknowledge that and then figure out what's next. I think that is, that's hugely important for businesses ultimately to be successful. Yeah. And I think sometimes you look back at some of those systems and those bigger companies and you're just like, oh, I don't want to ever do that or be that way. Mm-hmm. We want to be more flexible. And it's like, cool, you can do that whenever there's 10 or 15 of you. To a point, that'll, that'll work. <laughs> right. right. And then you really, once you get to that point where you're bigger like they are or a similar size, you know, that place that you didn't want to exactly be like, you're like, oh, 
well, now I know why they have all those policies in place and they follow those, those regiments and all those kind of things. So again, just standardizing process and, um, still connecting with people on training and making sure that everybody kind of hears the same message and kind of feels the same, the same way that you do about the business. Awesome. So you and I got a chance to meet about, I don't know, six or seven months ago. And uh, so we had talked about your firm, your highly successful firm, Summit CPA Group, and my firm, Andrew CPAs and Advisors, that a combination of those firms could be really compelling. And so we were able to work on that together, and then we got that to play out, close the transaction April 1st of 22. So as a, as a business owner, an entrepreneur that's grown something that you want to continue to grow, what excites you most about the relationship with Anders? And now that you're a partner with Anders, kind of what do you see as the future and really the kind of the firm of the future concept, or how do you see your virtual CFO offering blossoming within a firm like Anders? I mean, sometimes the market's going to push business owners because I, I work through a lot of M&A deals every year. And, and sometimes the market kind of will naturally push somebody to where it makes sense to, you know, you need to get bigger, you know, at some point you kind of have to punch through some growth. Mm-hmm. And for us, for us, the last couple of years, we've been on the radar of a lot of different firms and private equity, mm-hmm. and it really got us thinking. And Jody and I have always been really aggressive with our growth goals. And so we're sitting back and I, I remember the day specifically, we were sitting back and we were talking to a private equity firm and we we're showing them all these amazing dashboards and how cool we are mm-hmm. and how we're going to go from here to here. Very and proud of what you've Very built. proud. We're mm-hmm. like, we're going to grow this to, you know, $20 million in three years. Check us out. Mm-hmm. You know, now tell us you don't believe us and we'll prove you wrong. That's mm-hmm. like what we expected the conversation to be. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of looked at it and he's like, you know, 20 million is okay, but you can kind of fake your way to 20. What about 50 or a hundred? And I was just like, What? really? Like, this is amazing. And then <laughs> don't you uh, see this? Yeah. What are you missing? I got off the call and I told Jody, I was like, yeah, he's right. 50 or we need to find a partner that will really embrace us as a platform and mm-hmm. help us grow. Won't change our culture. We need to find somebody like that. Private equity is not a route for us because we don't need their money. We want um, more expertise. We want to round ourselves out a bit mm-hmm. um, and, and work with other professionals. So then it's like, okay, then you can go the accounting route. And it, the challenge there is, is that although everybody kind of sees this space and sees the evolution of the accounting space transitioning to consulting, and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're not quite there yet. And the problem is, is are they willing to make big shifts in order to get there? Fundamental changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, again, the, the one or two people you talk to, maybe they feel that way, but does the whole firm feel that way? Mm-hmm. And so um, whenever we met with you, um, you know, Tony had introduced us and and we kind of went through all that stuff. Jody and I both felt like your firm was a good culture fit. So it's still, it's still bigger. You know, you still have some of those processes, some of those traditional things in there. But you're really getting aggressive with all in on the advisory side and mm-hmm. really believing in it and going to develop that side. So that excited us. So, again, we were looking for we weren't looking for a big payday or to get out of the business. I'm 43. Um, Jody's 53. So we still have a few years left in the tank. Mm-hmm. And so we we wanted to. um we, what really got us excited is we wanted to grow everything. You know, we wanted to be a part of that. And we thought that Anders gave us that best, um, best fit, you know, in terms of the size and the resources. Anders has a lot of resources that we could utilize 
um, for our clients as well. Got it. Okay. Okay. Well, one of the things that we do when we, when we wrap up these episodes is the, the make it count segment, which is where we step back and think about, okay, based on our discussion, if there's only one thing that a small to mid-sized business owner would take away from this conversation, what would be the one thing that you think they need to really be thinking about and understanding based on our conversation? I'll go back to the word that I overuse all the time, which is intentionality. My advice would be if there's one thing, be as intentional with the finances of your business that you are with your product or your service delivery. Mm -hmm. If you do that, I mean, whether you're working with somebody like us or not, it doesn't matter if you spend that kind of time and effort. I can't explain it. It's like gravity. If you put it on paper, it just happens. I've seen it time and time again. Mm -hmm. You just make better decisions. It just things happen for you Mm -hmm. naturally. So That'd be my advice. Be intentional. Awesome. More specific you can get to better. And then, and then, as you said earlier, make adjustments along the way, but still having a plan and actually putting it down, documenting it, committing to it, and then working towards it. I think that makes a ton of sense. So, so Adam, thank you for visiting with us today. So we've been visiting with Adam Hale, uh, co-founder of Summit CPA Group that has recently merged with Andrew CPAs and Advisors. Adam, we appreciate the time. Thank you. Okay. Thank you much. Thank you for joining the But Who's Counting podcast. Make sure to never miss an episode by subscribing on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think by rating and reviewing. Connect with me, Dave Hartley, on LinkedIn and keep up with more Andrew CPAs and Advisors insights by following us on social media through the handles in the show notes. We'll see you next time.